Episode number 32 of the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast with Jared Sergi. My job as a company officer is to teach my firefighters how to be good at their job and also mentor them to take them to take my position if they ever choose to at some point in their career. As far as I'm concerned, too many people spend time worrying about things that are completely out of their control. I think if the company officer and firefighters focused on things that they had immediate control over, our departments and our firehouses would improve overnight. I am talking about things like forcing doors, stretching lines, ground ladders, performing good search search and rescue, and top-notch EMS care, and any other responsibilities that you may have at the company level. Not only do you have an immediate control over those things, you also have control over the actions and behaviors of every single one of your crew members. Assuming you've laid out your set of standards and expectations, you can hold them accountable and those expectations to those expectations, excuse me. And that's an excerpt from Jared's book, No Nonsense Leadership, A Realistic Approach for the Company Officer. Chapter seven, you have the power that you need, all the power that you need. Jared, thank you for joining us. And uh, we're going to talk about this today in depth and a few other things. But please, uh, for everyone that don't that does not know you, please give a nice introduction and we'll get rocking and rolling. Yeah, man. Well, thanks again for having me. It's good to be back. I know last time we did a, a short little 20 minute um, podcast, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. So it'd be nice to, to go a little deeper on some things. But yeah, like I said, my name is Jared Sergi. Uh, I'm a captain down here in Norfolk, Virginia, not too far from not too far from Mike. I've been there just over 18 years now. Uh, I'm a captain currently. I am actually, I think I have three more shifts left in operations, and then I head into the training division. So I've, I've been a company officer for just over 10 years now. I've been a captain for the last six. So uh, I really, really enjoy being a captain and being a company officer and, and having that, that influence and that fun at the company level. So, uh, so that's me, man. Sounds great. Thank you for coming on. Um, you know, this, this book is very good. Uh, there's a lot of things in here and, and what I want to focus the most, uh, I want to focus specifically on today is, um, having all the power that you need. And you actually open the chapter up with, uh, a quote by the Dalai Lama and says, real power has to do with one's ability to influence the hearts and minds of others. So let's, uh, why did you choose that quote? And let's get into that. Um, get into the chapter. Let's get into, um, you know, you have the power that you need. And I think that's something that people feel like they can't affect change or maybe they don't appreciate or realize how much effect they can have on individuals and a company as a whole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's definitely get into it. So I chose that quote because really the, one of the main words in there, the, you know, influencing the, the real power has to do with the, the one's ability to influence the hearts and minds of others. And there's a lot of other similar quotes like Dalai Lama's, you know, like uh, General Mattis, the first battle that a commander must win is for the hearts and minds of his men. That's something that he said before, too. And so that's something that I had to quickly learn as a newer company officer, especially was, you know, if I'm going to step foot into this situation, I'm going to step foot into this firehouse and I have all these different types of personalities and work ethics and attitudes and opinions, the whole nine yards. I couldn't dive right into immediately trying to do the things that would not only add value to the team, but make them better firefighters. Like, of course I wanted to do those things, but I had to talk, spend some time kind of 
getting to know everybody and building relationships and letting them know that I'm there for the right reasons and, and my intentions are positive. And just like the book, the, uh, you know, the chapter starts out with, I tell a story about a captain talking to me specifically when I got promoted to captain about, you know, you don't have any power anymore that everything, every decision gets made above your head. You know, the chiefs are all in your business you know, just a real, just a real good pep talk. And, uh, and so I just listened to him and, you know, I, I just listened to his advice and I, I just downloaded what he had to say. And like the, the chapter says, like, once I showed up, I was like, you know, I, I don't really know what he was talking about. Like, I feel like I, I understand where he was coming from in a way, but I, I quickly realized that regardless of the crew makeup, regardless of their time, regardless of where they've been in the department, that the company officer especially has the ability to influence those people. And they do so with their passion, with their engagement, with their enthusiasm. And I think that, I believe that crews feed off their company officers. I believe that. I believe they feed off the engagement, the passion, the enthusiasm. You and I think talent. if you go in there and set the tempo, right from the start there, most of them will follow. Uh, you know, I, I'm a bit of an optimist. I think that firefighters, when they come to work, they want to know what the hell they're doing and they want to do a good job and they want to roll out the door and they want to be confident. And I think if you can, you can engage them and you can inspire them and you can show them the value and, you know, this type of positive outlook and attitude and engagement, they're going to feed off it and they're going to see a positive result from it. Now, of course, I'm a realist too, right? There's people that also won't, you know, there's some people that regardless of your engagement and your enthusiasm, they're not going to buy in. They're not going to be jazzed about the next training drill. They're not going to step up and do extra things for the department. They're going to, they're going to come in. They're going to punch the time clock. They're going to do their time and they're going to go home. I mean, they're going to perform their job and hopefully they perform it as up to your expectations, but they're not going to, they're not going to do anything more than what you ask of them. And that's just the reality. You're going to have people that way too. It doesn't mean you can't hold them to a standard. It doesn't mean you can't hold them to your expectations. Just know that those people are out there too, and that's okay. Yeah, and you know, there was a couple things that you said I wanted to touch on a little bit. Is uh, first off, um, kind of going back to the discussion you had with that battalion chief. One thing that I've learned, and I've found, I've found myself falling into this trap. I, I wouldn't say I, I'm naive, but I do find myself if somebody pitches something really good to me, I'm kind of like, Oh, well, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, that makes yeah, sense too, right. man. I can understand why you feel that way, man. I kind of feel that way. Like, you know what I mean? You surround yourself with a lot yeah. of negative people. You're going to be a negative person. But what I've with the point that I'm making is, you know, you don't let other people's opinions or experiences be your reality. You know, this guy over here could, you know, the battalion chief could have just had a really, really bad experience. That may be his fault or may not be his fault. Either way, that's his experience and his experience alone. And you, you, you can't allow that to, um, you can't allow that to affect you or, or set you on a course, because here's the thing. How many times have you felt and thought that way? And then you go and realize it's completely wrong and you have an experience that they're like, Oh, you're going to go work at that firehouse. And it's going to, it's going to be terrible. And you're going to hate it. And then you go there and it's fantastic. These right. people don't know what the heck they're talking about. They just had a bad experience there. That's their problem. Yeah. But I can affect change. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was like, man, that that is my story. Like when I was a when I first got promoted to to captain, and 
and I mentioned in the book a little bit, but not, not like what we're about to talk about now. Like I can remember getting a phone call like, man, I, you know, it's like, I thought I had it all figured out. I got promoted to captain and I stayed at my station for maybe a, where I was as a lieutenant, right? I stayed there for a couple of weeks before I was being transferred. So in those two weeks, just like a lot of other people, I'm jockeying for a good spot, right? Like, sure. I'm going to go talk to the shift commander. I want to go sure. here. I want to go like, you know, like went after what I wanted and, um, it didn't work out for me. <laughs> I didn't get to go where I wanted. And so I could remember getting a phone call from my shift commander, who's now my fire chief. And he's like, Hey man, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And I was like, all right, well, give it to me. Give me the good news first. He's like, I got you on my team. You're coming to the C shift. And uh, I was like, Oh, well, what's the bad news? He's like, well, you're not going where you want. You're going to go. You're going to go to station 12. I didn't want to go to station 12. In fact, I can't remember if I told you before, it's, it's the slowest engine company in the city. I'm like, no way, man, that's not me. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And so, you know, hearing this captain, you know, when I got that speech about, you know, the chiefs have all the power, you don't have all the power, you know, you don't, you can't do anything. Again, that's based off his own experiences. Like you said, like, I don't know, I don't know what situations that he was in that formed that outlook for him. I don't know what kind of bosses he worked for that helped shape that outlook also. So I had to be very careful about, about going into a situation, especially where I was going as a, as a new captain and having that attitude. And, and so probably a few weeks before I reported to that station, man, I heard it all, dude. I heard, you know, the worst crew in the city, they don't care. You know, they suck. I mean, you name it. People were just, throwing all these things in my head. And at that time, I'm trying, I'm trying to think now, I don't think I had worked with anybody on that crew before. I mean, I knew who they were. I knew where their assignments had been just like they knew who I was for the most part. They knew where my you're going to know who each other. Yeah. You, yeah. you know who everybody is the minute before you even walk in the door. Yeah, exactly. So they were familiar with me. They were familiar with my energy level. <laughs> they were familiar with all that stuff and I was familiar with theirs. So, but when I showed up, had I gone in there and started making decisions and drilling and just and just talking and treating them the way, like treating them based off other people's opinions or views or experiences, man, it would have not been good for me. Sure. So I had to be very careful about that. Like I listened to all the stuff that people were saying and just like you said, it's like, yeah, you know what, let me, let me form my own opinions here. And I got in there and were there were there growing pains with some stuff of course just like normal stuff like human nature we, yeah nothing we couldn't work through uh, sure. but but i had to understand that and i think once i went in there and did that and i was i tried to be genuine i mean i didn't waver in my values i didn't i didn't go in there and say well this is the crew i have i'm going to just adjust i'm going to lower my standards and expectations i didn't do any of that so you know, I went in there thinking that was going to be the worst year of my life as a new captain. Like I used to tell people, it might sound silly right now, but I can remember telling my buddy, you know, one of my good buddies, like, hey, dude, like, I don't even feel like my time as a captain has started because I'm over here to slow engine. Like, I'm just not getting exposure. Man, that couldn't have been further from the truth because I only did a year there. And looking back at it, it was great. Like, I actually had a lot of fun there. And I learned a lot. I learned a ton. I learned a lot about relationships. I learned a lot about don't take people at face value. 
I learned that once again, that, you know, the company officer can create this tempo and people can feed off your level of engagement and enthusiasm. And I was super proud of every one of those firefighters that were there. I mean, I, when I was ready to go, you know, when I got transferred from there, I knew I wasn't going to spend my time there as a captain. I, I knew I wanted to be in a busier house and that, that's just what I wanted. And they knew that about me too. And so after that first year, you know, I left and I was, I was really proud of everything that we had there. But I can tell you another thing I didn't, and this is the last piece and, and, and we'll talk some more, but I didn't sure. go in there. They all knew that I didn't want to go there. They all knew, they all knew that Jared Sergi would not have picked that assignment for his first stop as a captain. They all knew that about me. Sure. Never, ever did I walk in that door, whether sitting around the galley table, out on the bumper drinking coffee, not once did I ever say, man, I can't wait to get the hell out of here. You know, I can't wait till the transfer list comes out. You know, this place is just terrible. I'm wasting my time. Sure. No way. I put a 12 on my helmet. I, I tried to do my best to be part of the team. And I thought, at least in my mind, I thought we had a freaking blast there. Yeah, well, you're setting the tone. And that kind of ties into a few things, too. Like, so where I work, we do a bid system, and it's all seniority. Really seniority-based. And, um, you know, people will go around and they'll say, all right, well, this station's got an opening. This station's got an opening. And, you know, they'll bid on it and you don't, none of it goes by your merit or anything or performance appraisals or word of mouth. None of that. It literally goes by your time on the job or your time, your time, um, time and grade, time and position, time and grade, time in the department, career recruit school. And then if you and another person are neck and neck and you're in the same recruit school or everything's lined up, you get a random, if you're in the same class, you get a randomly generated number and that number changes. Uh, what I don't remember how often, but basically the long story short of it is um, that's the tiebreaker. So, you know, I want to work at station, you know, 75 because they go to a lot of fires and 75 has had a really good, name for a long time and they've got a you know a bendy truck and all that whatever whatever it is that drives in there and people are so worried about the numbers what you need to be worried about is looking at the roster because you can be in places that are slow super busy whatever but you it's very interesting when you see people go bid somewhere and they never leave they don't want to leave vacancies don't happen very often and where you in firehouses where you have really really good leadership that's across all the shifts. I mean, there's firehouses out there that their people do not leave unless they promote or retire. They don't leave just to leave. And those, those vacancies that come up, come up very, very far and few between. Mm-hmm. And the, the um, opposite of that would be those firehouses where no one stays, no one bids to, no one goes to, there's continuous, there's habitual vacancies, tons of sick leave usage, you know, stuff like that. And I feel like those things happen because of a lack of leadership, strong leadership, strong accountability, standards, values, those things. You don't, you don't have those at those stations. So I think people need to understand is not to get so stuck up or not stuck up, excuse me, caught up on the firehouse that you work at. You need to be, you should focus on who's there because you could work at a quote unquote busy firehouse or a fire house that goes to a lot of fires. And then you absolutely are terrible on every single fire you go on. You're not, you're not reliable. 
You don't do what your job is on the call. You can't yeah. get your line in place. You get lost going to the – whatever the problems are. Dude, but yeah, you got that I've cool number it. 75. Yep, I've you, seen it. Yep. you know what I mean? So – on and again, like I said, vice versa. You have firehouses that don't run as many fires, but when they do go on boxes and they do go on those high frequency calls that you know they need to do their job, they're always in the right place, the right time, doing the right thing, whether they want to or not, whether it's the fun job or not, it doesn't matter. Three in the morning, three in the afternoon, they don't care. They do the same thing the right way every time because they're professionals. And right. That's our job. Right. So to speak to that a little bit and, and just kind of, I guess, um, touch on the point of what you said as far as, you know, it's a, not a desirable firehouse. It, you, I mean, you personify that very specifically that it's all in what you make it. And like we yeah. talked about off, uh, off record or before we recorded too, is something that I posted earlier today. Um, you know, you set the tone as the officer, right? You, I mean, that's what you said, or that's what that's, uh, those were your words. And, and I feel like when you say things like that, Everyone that has been in that spot are like, man, yeah, I know what that feels like. Or I've seen how I set the tone or I came in and was kind of an asshole and everybody else kind of turned in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody else kind of followed suit or I walk in with a bad attitude every day. They have a bad attitude every day or right. these guys laugh and joke. We all laugh and joke, that kind of thing. And what I, what I talked about earlier today was as a company officer, your success is measured by you and you alone. It's measured by your talent, commitment, tenacity, and your heart. Gold bars and a white shield are just items until a competent individual puts them on. So the point is, in my uh, the point that I'm making is, you set the tone. You, you know they know who they know who you who you are. They know that you're um, in charge. You know, and and it's your job to step up and be the leader. Because if you think about it, the, I mean, the way I see it is if. If I have an officer from when I was a firefighter, if I have an officer that comes in and he's like, yeah, you know what? We're going to be busy today. We're going to run a bunch of medicals. But you know what? And this is something I've heard a lot. Tonight could be the night. We could get a fire tonight. It could right. be first. We're, and you know what? We're going to do a great job. But to do the great job, let's do some training. Let's go over X, Y, or whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, and I've yeah. had officers that come in with great attitudes and they're just fun to be around. And then you have officers that are the exact opposite. You have fire people that are the exact opposite. Yeah. And I, you know, I, this is just me. I mean, it's my belief. It's how I feel personally. Like even sure. as a captain, I feel this way. Like I think most people want to be led. I do believe that. Um, I sure. feel that way. Like I expect that out of my bosses. Like I want to be led as a captain, like, you know, because this is not, this is not my finish line. Like I, I expect to move up and, you know, I hope I move up and I want that from my bosses. And I think, again, my belief is that most people want to be led. And what draws people to those stations, busy or slow, is like you said, it's the, it's the environment that's created in that firehouse. And leadership is a skill, right? So people are attracted to that stuff. So, you know, think about, think about the officer. It doesn't even have to be an officer. Like, think about the firefighter, the officer that is, like, you show up to a fire and they're just damn good at forcible entry. Like, you pull up to a, a, a job at a commercial building there at the seaside and they got all these tough doors and man, they were just, they're just knocking them out. And then you consistently see this company go on, you know, complicated stretches at guard department fires. And man, they just hit a home run every time. At least me, I'm like, damn, like they, they're professionals. They're squared away. Like they have worked hard to, you know, try to perfect those skills or at least become extremely uh, competent at them. 
leadership is no different to me. Like leadership is a skill that can be learned. It's a skill that can be applied. It's, it's not always easy, certainly. And I, I screw it up all the time, but, but I think just like watching somebody being impressed or drawn to somebody that's competent in good command and control, good engine operations ladder, like they're just, you know, AJ squared away every time they show up to these fires, people are attracted to that leadership skill. Also, they come in, they see you one, you're genuine, you know, how to talk to people, you know, how to plan your day, you know, how to empower folks, empower folks, you know, how to inspire them. Like people are drawn to good leadership as a skill that you apply every day in the firehouse, as opposed to just somebody who comes in and just manages the daily routine and, and doesn't do any of the good leadership stuff. They're, they don't see those qualities in you. They don't see you applying those skills that you're trying to learn. I see it as the same thing. And people are drawn to both things. They're drawn to the, the competency on the fire ground or whatever. And they're, they're also drawn to those skills that you're applying it at your level of leadership. So let me ask you this. Do you think, well, actually, maybe not do you think. Something I've kind of noticed in my time is I feel like if you come in with the right attitude, you're able to hit your benchmarks as an officer, but your skill set may not be where you want it to be. So what I'm saying is, I'm trying to think how to say this. People can forgive you not being at a super high, or people can forgive um, shortcomings and skills when you put forth the effort and you're trying to better yourself, right? So like, let's say, you know, you're not good with the area, but without preaching it, you've got a map book in your hand. Hey, let's go do this, this, and this, or Hey, we, this is the address for the call. We got canceled halfway there. Let's keep going. This is my planned running route. Let's go there. Let's take a look, blah, blah, blah. Talk about it for five, 10 minutes, then kind of leave. Um, you know, when you have the right attitude and you and you work through trying to do the right thing, sometimes you're going to have some shortcomings. But I feel like when people ha- see that genuine character and the genuine um, attempt or the genuine um, actions of getting better, they can forgive some shortcomings as they happen because you're going to screw up. It's going to happen oh, skill-wise, yeah. leadership-wise, anything like that. But consistently, you're always trying to do the right thing. And, you know, eight out of ten times, you nail it but there's always those two times that you won't. And I feel like as long as those aren't, you know, always happening, but they happen when they do happen, you know, I think you're going to create a culture and you're going to have people that are going to want to follow you through that because, and I've talked about this before. I think we've talked about this um, away from this podcast is that's relatability, right? If you're the officer that never, ever makes a mistake or you can never admit that you've made a mistake, they're not really going to want to follow that very much. No. But if they're like, all right, cool. Well, I just royally screwed up. I know he's screwed up before and he's owned it. I'm going to own this. And if he's going to say something, he's going to be frustrated. I'll just take it as it comes because you've set the groundwork of being professional, handling it the right way, right. tempering your, your, your tongue when you need to, those kind of things. You're approachable. You're relatable. They'll know they can come to you when they screw up or they know – all right, LT's walking over here. I know I screwed that up. And instead of the lieutenant just cussing at you, saying, you dumb MF or blah, 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 you could walk over and say, what happened? Hey, let's talk about that ladder or line or whatever it is. Yeah, you know what? This is what I was thinking. This is what I did. 
and then you're like, all right, cool. Um, we both know that's not acceptable. We're going to fix it. Right. And then you move forward. And the biggest thing is to drop it unless it's a consistent problem, drop sure. it. And I, and I feel like when you have that environment of being approachable and, and people know it's okay to make mistakes, the mistake is not okay. Like, it's not like, Oh, Hey, no worries. No, you have your non-negotiables, you have your set standards, but they know they can come to you when they do fall short. I think that's very important as, as an officer. And that's why I feel like when yeah. you create that in, or foster that, um, environment, I feel like, you know, even though you may not be as good as other people are in certain things, I feel like you still will be do, you still will do just fine. Right. It, it comes down to humility, right? Like sure. you, you know, number one, nobody likes to know it all. Uh, you know, nobody yes. likes somebody who doesn't admit, admit their mistakes, especially when they see that you are making them, you know, and, because everybody sees it, you know, firefighters aren't dummies. If they see a company officer consistently make mistakes and they know that they're making mistakes and the company officer refuses to take ownership of it, like, hey, dude, like I screwed this up. I could have done this. They see that. And it just erodes any trust or cohesion that you have. So, you know, and if you do screw up, like, I think you just got to check your ego a little bit, you know, uh, where, again, you have to have that humility to be like, hey, man. And be the first one, like, just like you said, think about the environment that it creates when, when you as the officer go in and you screw something up, whatever it is. And you're like, Hey dudes, like I totally screwed that up, you know, because everybody has their moment. They're going to have yeah. their moment. Your moment's going to come again too. Like, that's just the way it is. And, you know, I had a, he's my deputy chief. I can remember him telling me one time he, he said a lot of things to me. Um, sometimes in good, pleasant conversations, sometimes just straight up discipline in my ass. But, um, <laughs> I remember him telling me there's two types of people in the fire department, those who are humble and those who are about to be, and man, that is so true. So your day is coming yeah. and if it's going to happen to them. So if you create a, an environment where it's okay to say, Hey, I screwed that up and we can fix it. We can own it. We can move past it. Then the firefighters are going to do the same things instead of just making mistakes or maybe even hiding them because, you know, the captain and Lou, like they never, they never say anything. I'm definitely not going to bring it to their attention because, you know, they're walking around like a damn know-it-all. I'm just going to get, con you know, they're going to respond in a condescending way, a demeaning way or whatever. Sure. Um, so yeah, you got to own it, man. Like, you know, I, when I left, I was stationed downtown for a few years, just over three years, maybe three and a half years, something like that. And then I went to a whole new battalion as a captain. I went to Station 14, which I loved being there for a couple of years. I loved it. And uh, I'd never been in that side of the city. Seems I've known the district. I didn't know a damn thing. I mean, I was lost out there. I had the map book, but other than that, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know anything about that district. And so I consistently had to rely on the crew. Like, hey guys, like, fill me in here. Like. Help me learn the district, help me learn the routine. Like I'm basically coming into the fold here. Like, yes, I'm the captain, but my whole job is to, to try to add value to this team. So you got to go in there. You got to check your ego. You got to have some humility about you. And if you make mistakes, you got to own it because that's, that's just good for the team as a whole. You don't do that. People are going to see right through you. Firefighters aren't idiots. They're, they're going to see that down goes your trust down goes your credibility. And trust me, they're not keeping that in the firehouse. 
they word's going to travel that you're the type of boss that doesn't like to admit their when they're wrong. You're a boss that's a know-it-all. You're a boss that you know doesn't need to learn this because you got it all figured out. That's word travels. <laughs> and the other thing too with that as well is once you start doing those kind of things, they're going to stop coming to you. They're going to stop yeah, talking absolutely. to you. Silence can be deafening. Oh, yeah. And and that's something that I experienced personally, unfortunately, through my own actions. I was kind of that guy. Um, you may or may not remember the discussion, but when you came and taught a class in College Park, I was at it. And that was one of the things that we talked about. I said something to you kind of afterwards uh, when you swung through. Um, I think Jordan I think Jordan invited you. I don't remember. Yeah. I think Jordan invited you. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things we talked about. And that was because I was kind of going through that, unfortunately. Um and silence is deafening. You know, you're when they stop coming to you with your problems, or they stop coming to you about situations or things, you you you're in a bad spot as a leader. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think, I mean, I've done my fair share of kind of shit talking, and and you know, oh, why did that guy do that? That's kind of dumb. Blah blah blah. And you know, and, and I'm I'm guilty of it, just as guilty as anybody. Oh, yeah. But um. You know, one thing I've kind of started learning over the last couple of years is I just I kind of stopped doing it only because I think once I was really able to be somewhat humble and um, kind of realized, you know, maybe I shouldn't really talk crap about that situation or that guy getting lost or this, that or the other. I mean, it could easily happen to me, you, you know, like I wasn't there for that situation. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what she saw. And, you know. It could easily, it could easily be me making that mistake, and uh, people listening to me on the radio not, not really knowing what's going on. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you've ever had Ben Martin on your podcast. Ben's awesome. Who? Benjamin Martin. Ben, ben Martin. Down in, yeah, he works down in Central Virginia. Uh, no, he runs, I don't think I. He embraced the resistance. He does the Fireground Commander Conference every year. You got to get him on. So Ben's an awesome dude. Smart guy. A brilliant guy. But, you know, I can remember I was I'm like you, like I've been in those moments where I find myself like just talking smack about other people. Like, yeah, I'm guilty, dude. You know, like, oh, look at this company. They're screwing that up or this officer's terrible. This firefighter, you know, like whatever. You know, I'm guilty of that, you know, just like anybody else. And so Ben and I were having a conversation about like, I'm like, man, dude, I got to stop. I got to want to try to stop doing that. Cause it's not productive. It doesn't fix anything. Like I, I need to stop. And he's like, he gave me some good advice. He's like, you know, Jared, I, I'm guilty of that too. He's like, I think everybody is to an extent. He said, but as soon as I start to think that way, as soon as that, like it, that thought creeps up in my head, like, Oh, well, Jared's this, or, you know, Mike's that, that I have to immediately just dude, check your ego because there's a lot of stuff that you aren't very good at. There's a lot of mistakes that you have made in the past. So I try to like redirect that energy at myself and I'm not always good at that, but I'm like, all right, well just shut up because it doesn't do anything yeah. and redirect that at yourself. Like where can I improve? Like what have I kind of sucked at over the last six months? Is there something in the department or in my skill set that I've been neglecting? And I got to take a good look, hard look at myself. And if there has been something that I'm like, yeah, you know, well, just stop talking about so-and-so and just work on yourself. And I'm not always the best at that. I'll be dead honest with everybody that's listening, but I'm, tr I'm truly trying to get better at it. No, I'm, I'm the same way. And it's actually kind of funny because I think the longer I've been an officer and the older I get, 
it kind of went from what an idiot, this, that, or the other. And I mean, and I, I bullshit with people just the way anybody else does, but like, yeah, oh, yeah. what I've, and this is my, the honest truth, what I've kind of found myself thinking of in my mind is like, man, I've, I've been in that guy's shoes. I know exactly what that feels like. I know it exactly what it, I know exactly how that feels pulling up to that, trying to get the words out of your mouth, and it comes out like absolute garbage. I know what it's like. I know how it feels to have a fire where you freaking knock it out of the park and you look like rock stars. And then I've had the fire where you look like the biggest group of clowns and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And what I've learned was it's not about that. It's how you recover from it. Because what I've learned, what I personally have learned, and Bobby Eckert said it really good, was you're only as good as your last fire. And when he first said it, I kind of—I mean, I, obviously, I understand what he means. Yeah, but what I what I realized was, kind of as as he was talking, I went back and I listened to the podcast a couple times to really grasp it. Was, you know, you have to continuously pay into just like leadership. You have to pay into that bank of credit, right? You have to, and you're going to have days that are going to go terrible. You're going to have days that are going to go great but the more you pay into it you'll start to see your capital go up your 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 um yeah your pay your payout to pay in yeah right whatever what you're putting into that bank is going to yeah. continue to grow but it keeps you honest because just because you did great last time means nothing for tomorrow right and, and you can afford you to make it you can afford those withdrawals over time you know like correct i've i've been in that position like i feel like there's been times where i've had man i'm at a good run like we performed all these fires, these incidents, whatever it is. And then I go to one where chief walks up to me and he's like, Hey dude, like what the hell was the issue with the first line? What was, you didn't say this on the radio. You, why did you make this decision? And it's like, Oh, well, maybe I mucked that up. I've had that. I'll fix yeah. it. But, but like I said, I've got some capital, right? Like I've, I got some money in the bank so I can afford to take, a withdrawal here and there, you know, I try not to, I like just keep my, keep increasing that savings account, but eventually you're going to have to do it. And I think, I think yeah. when you're in that situation, it's not that it justify. it's okay. You know, like as opposed to somebody who continually rolls out the door and makes series, you know, makes poor decisions, continuous mistakes. Poor decision. yeah. man, dude, they're an overdraft. So it's like you, you aren't putting money in the bank with your, attitude with your performance sure. with you know the way you're holding your crew accountable like you're you're putting your crew in a bad position also you know they're they don't have any money in the bank either and you know just like a good father you could be building their little savings accounts too and you're not doing it yeah and you know the other thing too is i think over time people see how you're gonna do make that mistake and recover mm -hmm. and i think it's a cycle of you know all right well the lieutenant screwed up well, is he going to go mope around or is it, hey, guys, yeah. I screwed this up and you just – and drop it, right? right Figure out whatever say? the problem is and just drop right. – what's that? It's like what can they say? What can anybody say, right? Like, yeah. You know, I, I, I remember going to a, um, a post-incident review and and I don't – I couldn't even remember the specifics, but I just remember the feeling in the room where sitting around and I only had a couple years – on the job at the time and it was this multi-alarm fire we burnt down this old ordinary constructed apartment building we made some mistakes and i can remember the either the maybe it was the battalion chief the battalion chief got up straight up like 
hey, I just want to, you know, this is why we're having this review. We're going to spend the next hour kind of going around the room. He's like, but I just want everybody to know here, like, I was in command of this fire for four hours. So every single thing that happened here was on me. Like, the, and I want to start out with the mistakes that I made first as a chief officer. And, and then I want to go around the room and hear from you. And I want to know what we're going to do to fix it. And I just remember this feeling like, even if you thought, even if you had a thought in your mind, like, oh, this freaking battalion chief, man, what a, what a mess. You, yeah, here we everybody go. Everybody in that room was bankrupt after that. I was like, what can you say? The dude just totally owned it. was like, hey, man, like, I messed this up. We're going to fix this. This fire's on me. I own every 100% of this. Like, we're in this together. Let's fix it. And it was like, damn, I was impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but the thing is, though, too, is that you can't consistently be like, oh, yep, screw that up. I'm going to yeah, own it. Oh, yep. True. I screwed that up. Oh, I'm going to own it. Like, no, you you, you have to um, you have to be able to uh, strike out and then equally hit some home runs. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it, ha- it has to. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. And this actually just recently happened um, for me was uh, probably two years ago. We got put out to a uh, garden style apartment fire and we we're supposed to be like the way the run order works is we should have been the third arriving engine. So we would lay out, take the rear line over ladder or whatever they deciphered uh, we should do the area of greatest fire extension, the, the area that would have the greatest chance for fire extensions, pretty much where you're going to go. So like floor yeah. above next to attic spaces or cock lofts, whatever. So we're going down the road and you can tell it's on fire. You know, it's on fire. The first arriving company gets there and they had a working apartment fire and, because I don't know where I'm going because I didn't invest time in the area um, for whatever reason. I, I don't, I don't know where my mind was back then, but you know, whatever we go down, go to the next turnaround, come back, can't find the street. There's no street sign. Right. But I'm not oriented in the map because I didn't invest the time in taking myself serious, taking my position seriously, flip back around and then go down and back around and down. So we did like, I think we did three loops before I realized where we were supposed to turn. Cause I think another unit mm-hmm. turned in front of us. So we were supposed to be the third arriving unit and we were the last unit to arrive when you get four, three, so four engines, special, two special services or three special services, a battalion chief, medic unit, ambulance at that time, run cards a little different now, but same thing. And we were the last arriving unit. So, I mean, what does that look like, right? right so right. now they're like, hey, take your line, go to the floor above. So we're going past all these people, even the fourth new engine just sitting at the hydrant just waiting. looking at you. Yeah. They're looking at you. Yeah, right. So, right. So salt in the wound, you know, it's, it was incredibly embarrassing and there's no one to blame but myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it kind of pushed me into having a discussion with somebody where they're like, Hey, look, you know, this is pretty freaking embarrassing. Um, collectively, we need you to fix this. And, uh, this is how you should do it. Cause I've seen another officer do this. This is a firefighter that told me this, mm-hmm. uh, all my crew. So I was like, yeah, I need to fix this. So, um, made my own map books. I bring them with me every day and I invested the time in it. And it was because I was embarrassed. I didn't go out and like sit in front of everyone and say, look at me doing maps. No, I did what any, you know, embarrassed human being did. It was I tucked my tail and went to the office and said, look, I got to fix this. And I started putting them together, you know, whatever. And then what I found myself doing was all the time when I had downtime, if we weren't doing something or whatever, I would go to the front of the engine. I wouldn't say anything to anybody. I would just go sit up front 
kind of look through some maps, kind of pull some stuff up, just flip a page. And then I started going page by page. And from our first do all the way to our fourth do box alarms, every page and start writing out the directions from the firehouse to that map page. And I would just go back and review them or whatever. So it became a common joke of anytime we ran a call on that street, whether it was a gas leak or the, you heard the call get dispatched for units that we had nothing to do with people would throw jabs like jokes <laughs> and they were funny. Oh, yeah. they, they were funny as they will. Yep. And it was just like, you know, you expected everybody kind of got a chuckle out of it. And I mean, you kind of laugh, you know, but kind of like down inside, you're like, God damn it. I wish that never happened. <laughs> and then guess what? Lo and behold, the same address got, it was, I think it was a few buildings down, but same street, same stretch. I mean, almost across the street from that fire, we got popped out for a apartment fire. And immediately everybody laughed their ass off and like, Hey, you know where you're going on this one. And I mean, I learned from then on, I always open the map book, specific yeah. directions. This is how you do it. Driver's side, third building, blah, blah, whatever. And that's my routine. Yeah. But all that routine was because of this call four years ago, three years ago, however long it's been now. And they laughed their ass off and they have to crack the map book. And I knew exactly where we were going. I knew exactly what the building looked like. And I knew exactly what to do, what hydrant, what, I mean, everything. I like, I just sat there. I'm like, here we go. And it was just, it was very, very funny. But the point, the that's a little dragged out, but the point that I'm making is if that situation went completely different, I didn't give a shit. I said, yeah, whatever. Or I just kind of moved on. I was didn't like, eh, yeah, that's all, right. yeah. didn't say anything at all. I mean, where would we be? Right. I, I think leadership and control leadership, having leadership and having control of your crew because they're following you because they respect you is palpable. Cause you know, as well as I do guys in the fire department, girls in the fire department, they're all, most of them are type a personality and we don't talk like that to each other, but you will know if they, will follow you because you're definitely going to know when they won't, you will know it's, they don't even have to say it. It's going to, it's going to be, you can cut it with a knife with the tension of no respect of not, of um, not having control um, of your crew. Cause you can tell them when they respect you and they follow you because they respect you and they follow you because of your actions. I know that was very, very drawn out and I was a little long winded on that one. And I apologize. How, however, I, I feel like, that situation and the jokes are funny. Don't get me wrong, but I think their ability to laugh about it because they know how far, how much you learned and changed from that situation to be better overall is why they throw those jokes out there. Oh, yeah. Like it's, and, and I don't want to say a unique delivery method sometimes. Like even though they say those things in jest, like, a lot of times they might actually be really trying to say it to you. So it's like, Hey man, freaking surge, man. He third in when we should have been first. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, ah, yeah. Laughing. And I should be thinking, damn, you know, they're right. It, they actually might be trying to tell me something here. <laughs> well that, and then the other one is, and I had, I've experienced this too, where there's a, there's a cluster of buildings that I kept screwing up on a road and they're all numerical. Right. I mean, you really shouldn't screw them up because if, if you start out and you just, Count the clusters. They're horseshoe-shaped clusters. You'll eventually get there. You, you should not miss the call. The numbers are on the side of the buildings. But anyway, I screwed that street up. And this was in some similar time. So we get there. We're at the wrong building. We had to figure out a long line. And anyway, we got our line in place. Got where we should be. We were in the wrong building. 
And uh, I said, hey, look, I kind of screwed this up, you know, and it was just dead silence. And I was like, all right, so we're going to go back to the firehouse. Uh, great. I know what that means. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. So there's it, – it's – it's tough. I, I, you know, there, you very, very rarely get credit if at all, or people aren't going to tell you how good you're doing that. That's very rare. They won't be like, Hey man, you're a great officer. That's just not how we talk. Right. right. Very, very rarely, if ever, will you get that kind of return? And that's where, um, actions speak louder than words. Cause like I said before, it's palpable. You will know whether you have control and whether you, they're following you or not. And that also kind of talks into a little bit before uh, we were talking about um, with the battalion chief being engaged and all that. It's not so much, none of this is so much affirmation as it is, you know, it's it's almost like your parents, like when you were younger and you went and did something stupid, they're like, you know what? I'm not even mad. You want to go do what you go do what you want to do. I don't care anymore. Have fun. And you're like, no, no, yell at me, punish me. Like it's, I think it's kind of the same thing as you. You want to be able to be held accountable to a standard, and then when you meet that standard, they recognize it. It's almost like, um, not validation, but like, it's like we talked about before: is that that um, personal power versus positional powers. I want to do a good job because I know I respect Jared, and Jared respects me, and I know I have his respect, and he's going to call me out when I don't meet yeah. his expectations like that's yeah. that's a big thing see the value in it like they there was a guy and maybe this story fits maybe it does not tell it i had a guy tell the story tell it where Let's he uh it. it was just something as simple as stretching a line like i had to say like hey this is this is how i want the line to come off the truck and now so coupling the door i had my I had my system and i wanted i wanted them to use that system and so one of the guys he we're out there practicing it's right behind the station so he, He's like, well, I have my way. I'm like, okay, well, let's see it. Like, I'm curious. Like, so he stretches it. And so I was like, brother, I got to be honest. I don't like it. Like, I, I, I want this. I, and I said, that's a little bit slower. It's a little bit, I had my reasons. And I said, just humor me. I tell you what. I said, you've been stretching your way for a long time. I'm not saying it hasn't worked. I said, the next incident we go to, I want you to try my way. I want to see what you think. I want your honest opinion. Dude, I'm telling you. And we had been practicing that stretch, which is nothing crazy. I mean, for several months before, well, he just happened to be on the engine this day. We're doing it. And dude, we, we go in service. We probably catch a fire 30 minutes after we go in service down the road, first do. And sure enough, he gets off the truck. He stretches the line. You know, we're there for a couple hours, whatever stuff's winding down. So I can remember I'm like walking around the yard. I got my clipboard. I'm like getting, you know, occupant's name, whatever, pets, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so he's standing in the yard by the line. He's like, hey, Gap. He like yells at me. He goes, look. And he looks down on the ground, or he points down the ground that he stretched the line the way that I showed him. He goes, huh? Huh? What do you think, man? Like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, you hit a freaking home run, dude. Awesome. Like, do that every time, and you'll be a freaking rock star. Uh, he was like, jazz. So, like, there was this immediate value, like, this validation. Like, oh, damn. Like, this actually this actually works, you know, like there's, there's some value here. Yeah. And he was also coachable, right? So you yeah, both kind does. of learned something there. He's coachable. You're, I don't want to say flexible, but you're, he's coachable, but you allowed him, you know, Hey, look, I know you have your way. Just try this. Right. And he listened. And shot. then, I mean, yeah. look at it. You, you, 
you built into or built into you paid into that capital because now he's like, well, wait a minute. He taught me to do or he made a suggestion of something I've done the same way every time. And I'm going to try it a different way. Wow, this worked out really great. So the next time you come up to him, hey, man, why don't we try this? He's going to listen to you and not I don't want to say not think twice, but he's more inept or more um, inclined to go. All right. You know, what, Captain, I'm, let me give it a shot. But he's not only going to do that with you. He's going to do that anywhere he goes. Somebody's going to make a suggestion. Obviously, he's going to he's going to um, you know validate who they are. But somebody's going to say, "Hey, maybe you know a captain in five years. Hey, why don't you try X, Y, and Z? All right, cool. Let's try it in training. Let's see where we get with it. I'm gonna try it, and that's a good thing. Um, and it's kind of interesting how you talk about that because I had a situation on my shift. Um, you know, my guys are are always eager to do things. Um, they all, like we talked about before, they've got some time on and when they see something they don't think is correct, or they see something that doesn't look right, they want to go figure out what it is and then, um, do some type of, uh, they'll run through it like a drill. Mm-hmm. So we went out, we did a bunch of, uh, we did, and I, I'm not going to get very, I'm not going to get too much into the details, but the long story short is we went out and practiced, um, some hose line stuff within 12 hours. We showed up, and the scenario we talked about with the line that we talked about happened. Oh, nice. And we did it. We pulled the line the way we talked about. We did everything we talked about with how how and where it would go, what we would do, what I would do, what the, the uh, lineman would do, what the backup guy's going to do. And then it turned into, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this the right way, a career call. And I'll leave it at that. And we were on the money. I nice. mean – where we needed to be water when it needed to be there. And it was just a freaking home run. And I could not have been more proud. And, 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 you know, if anybody that was on that call, that's listening, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, why I'm yeah, smiling yeah. so big about this. It all, it all paid off. And it was all within not even 12 hours later, bam, it happened. Yeah. So, you know, that's why those things are important, you know, kind of like what you were getting at. And it's a similar, it's a similar story, a little bit different, but it, it kind of, I think it emphasizes the point of, uh, coachability really. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, we're getting pretty close to that one hour mark. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered? I know we talked about doing a couple things and I think yeah, it's talked about place. getting into, um, you know, the next chapter of the book, which that could be, I mean, we spent an hour on the previous chapter just talking about that. So I, I don't know if we got the time to do it. Maybe we have to do another one in the future. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is just the, the company officer understanding, like, just be cautious about going into a situation where, like, you think you're going to have this tremendous oversight in the way that you do your job. And I get that there's, I get that there's micromanagers out there. I get that your bosses will have a certain set of expectations. But most times, most times, not every time, most times your boss wants what you want, like, at least, at least in my experience, they may do it a different way. They may approach a situation a little bit differently than you, but for the most part, they want what you want. So they want people in their firehouses, like your battalion chief, hopefully. And I believe that they want those firefighters in their firehouses to roll out the door and make good decisions on the fire ground. They want them to make good decisions in the back of a medic unit. They want them to, they want them to do the right thing and they want to make sure that you know, they know what they're doing and you want those same things. So 
just don't just don't go in there thinking, well, I just don't I can't do anything because I have a boss and, you know, they have their expectations. Like it's important to understand those expectations and you can still work within that framework and do what you want to do. Again, like we've said several times, you set the tempo like you stage for them to not stage, but you 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 allow them to see your energy, your engagement, your enthusiasm. They're going to feed off that and they're going to they're going to want to they're going to want to do the right thing. Like I, I just did a podcast recently with Josh and we talked about our captain and dude, he was hard on us. Like great captain was my challenge chief for a couple of years again, years later. I love the guy and dude, he pushed us and it got to a point where like we, you know, like we didn't want to let him down. Like he was always pushing us and training us and like, all right, like he was always kind of, taking a vested interest in our success and just dumping capital into us. And then when the brass hit, it's like, all right, well now it's our time to like step it up. Like we don't want to let the guy down, you know, like we, you know, we got a two on our helmet. We're the gladiators. Like we're, we are not going to do anything that compromises our standards, our reputation. You know, they, we wanted to perform, you know? And so you can create that absolutely. When you walk in the door to a firehouse, you just have to know that, um, you're capable of doing it. You have to approach it in a genuine manner. You got to be humble. You got to check your ego. You got to build those relationships. And I'm telling you, you come in there with the right attitude every day. You can build a pretty awesome firehouse, regardless of what's going on in your department. You know, it doesn't marginalize the issues that are within your organization, but you can come to work and create a pretty awesome place within those four walls every single day. Sure. That was, that was very well said. Very well said. Um, you know, I just want to add on to that a little bit and we'll get, we'll close this out. Um, you know, most of all, everything starts with you just like in life and in the firehouse, it all starts with you. Um, how you carry yourself, your demeanor, the way you walk into the firehouse. If you know, if you come in with a bad attitude, it's going to be a bad day. You control your own destiny. You control absolutely everything about your day with your attitude. Only you can control that. Um, so, you know, you want to, you have to set the tone, as you said, you have to set the example. And, and the, the most important thing is if you want anything done, you have to set the example of how you want to do it. You have to persona, personify it, right? If you want guys to wear running pants on all AFAs, that way all you have to do is throw your coat on. You tell them, this is what I want to do. This is why. And then you start doing it. Or you could just start doing it and people are going to follow you. Um, whatever that situation, that's just an example, but whatever it is, um, you know, ultimately you need to be able to be reliable. And by being reliable, you need to be able to um, understand that you can rely on yourself and you rely on yourself by being ready. You rely on yourself by being competent and investing your time. And that's all part of leading by example. So you need to um, look the part, be the part, act the part. And you always need to carry yourself in a manner that will give others a reason to want to follow you. You want to have that charisma. You want to have that um, bravado, I think is the, is the word. Where yeah, you, when you see swagger that about you. swagger, yeah, you walk in and there's that command presence and i know you know what this feels like where you walk in or a chief walks in or somebody walks into the room and they have it They're, they are in control and it's all in what you put off um you know i've said this a lot of times leadership 
especially on calls, is just as much theater as it is action. Because you could be scared to death, knocking it at your knees and not having a single clue of what to do, but don't allow anyone to see that. You have to have competence to back it up. You have to have the competence to back it up and the ability to enact uh, the ability to act and, and pull the trigger on making decisions. But there's a lot of it where you don't let anyone really, really know what's going on in your mind. Even if you're anxious, nervous, scared, you don't know what to do. You make a decision. Brilliance in the basics, leadership by example, look the part, be the part. That's what I have. Um, Jared, thank you. Um, Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming out. I do want to have you come back on here because there's, there's a couple things that, uh, as I'm flipping through and writing some stuff down while we were talking, I, I think there's some other things that I, I want to go over. I think it would be very good. Yeah, let's, um, let's plan on it. So don't go anywhere while I close this out. Um, if any of you guys or girls out there haven't picked the book up, No Nonsense Leadership, A Realistic Approach for the Company Officer um, by Jared Sergey. You need to take this, pick this book up. You need to read it, whether you're a firefighter, whether you're an officer, whether you're a new officer, it doesn't matter. This is a very, very well-written book. Um, this episode's not even about selling his book. It's just, it's really good information. And, and, and I think it's the one of my favorite ones because of um, the relatability and, and the relatability from the firefighter level um, all the way to the top. So check that book out. We'll add a link in the uh, episode description. And, um, you know, again, thank you. Do you, uh, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, where would they be able to get to reach you at? You have social media, I believe. Yep. Social media. They can find me on Facebook. Um, just, you know, search my name, Jared Sergi and then, uh, the drop off fire Facebook page. That's me too. So you can reach out, reach out there. And, uh, you know, I always tell people you know, uh, you know, I'm a company officer, like a lot of other company officers out there. So I, I deal with a lot of the same issues that you all are dealing with today. I certainly don't have all the answers. So if there's ever, something where it's like, dude, I'm struggling with this, or I have this guy or girl I'm trying to reach, or how do I deal with my boss or whatever, you know, I have those same challenges sometimes too. So hit me up. Don't be afraid to hit me up, man. I'll have a, a genuine conversation with you. Hell, I might even, you know, take your advice. I could be going through some of those same things and be needing help myself. So, uh, but yeah, find me on Facebook. You can uh, find me on there. My email is super easy. It's just my first and last name, jaredsergi at gmail.com if you want to shoot me an email. That's pretty much it, brother. Excellent. Thank you. Um, So we're going to add all that into the episode description. You guys have a great day. Uh, Thank you for your time. I can't thank you enough for coming back and listening to the podcast. Please check out future episodes. Um, Share with your friends. Share on social media. Give us a like. Check us out. Uh, The five-star ratings are our favorite. It helps us grow this podcast and this community. So everybody have a great day. Thanks again. Tip of the spear leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thanks, guys.